And this morning, we're going to begin a brand new series entitled Choose Life. And we're going to begin to dive in really to really what is a foundational truth. And this is what I really felt like the Lord said. He said, Keith, he said, this truth that we're going to talk about today is one of those foundational truths that if you can settle it in your heart, if you can settle it in your heart, we sung about this morning about, Lord, you said it, and I believe it. You said it, and I believe it. And one of the most critical things that has to happen in our lives is it's not enough for us to just know intellectually what God says. We have to, by faith, believe and receive the word of the Lord. And our ability, I believe today, to kind of settle in our hearts the truth that we're going to talk about from the word of God I felt like the Lord said was was critical for two things. Number one, it's critical because it's going to determine the quality of your Christian life. Your life is going to be very much determined by how you land on this revelation of God's Word. And then the second thing that we're going to see today is not only is it going to be critical to the quality of your life, but it's also going to be critical to the impact that you're going to make as a believer in Jesus Christ. Your influence and impact for others in Christ is going to be very much determined by whether your heart and how your heart is settled on the truth of Scripture that we're going to look at today. So let me go ahead and just say we're going to kind of look at a very deep thought today. We're going to kind of drive into something that may be a little heavy in the sense that um, it's really kind of a sobering reality. And as we kind of begin to talk about choosing life today, we're going to kind of uh, navigate through an amazing study over the next few weeks, and we're going to see some awesome truths from the Word of God. But today we're going to settle something. Today we're going to settle a truth that I believe, according to Scripture and the Word of God, is going to be essential for us. So we're going to begin in John chapter 3, and we're going to read a few Scripture this morning, just kind of lay a foundation before we even get to our first thought. So John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, you're very familiar with this probably. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Can I get an amen? How many thankful that God did not send His Son to condemn the world? Come on, somebody. He sent Jesus that we might be saved. John chapter 10, verse 9 through 11 says this. Jesus is speaking. He says, I am the door, and if anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and he will go in and out and find pasture. For the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. How many thankful today we've got a good shepherd today, amen? He's a good shepherd, and he's a good father, and he loves us. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 21. The Apostle Paul is writing here, and this is what he says. He says, so you see, just as death came into the world through a man, I want, you to, I want you to listen to that again. Death came into the world through a man. I put in parentheses Adam because that's who death came from, right? If you remember the story in Genesis, Adam and Eve were created. They were living in a sinless world with a perfect relationship with God, and they sinned and rebelled against the Lord. And because of Adam's sin and rebellion, death came. Death was the result of Adam's sin and Adam's rebellion. So the Bible says death came in the world through a man named Adam. And now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man named Jesus. How many thankful for Jesus today? Amen. Verse 22, it says, And just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. 
But there is an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised, uh, raised as the first of the harvest. Then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. How many know Jesus is coming back? Come on, church. Jesus is coming back, and he's coming back to get a bride that he's going to redeem and restore us into wholeness and life with him. And then the Bible says this, verse 24. And after that, the end will come when he will turn the kingdom over to God the Father, having destroyed every ruler, every authority, and every power. For Christ must reign until he humbles all his enemies beneath his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is, y'all read it with me? Let's do it one more time. And the last enemy to be destroyed is? So look at that first point on your outline if you're a note taker today. Life is the will of God, and death is the enemy of God. Life is the will of God, and death is the enemy of God. Death is not God's will, God's plan, or God's desire for your life, your family, or your future. Death is not God's will. God is a God of life. And one of the most significant foundational truths is simply this. We have to come to a realization where we can settle in our hearts that life is the will of God, and death is the enemy of God. God is not an author of death. God is the author and creator of life. How many know God's not in heaven orchestrating the death of man? God, through his son Jesus, sent Jesus from heaven to earth to orchestrate the redemption and salvation of mankind. And all of a sudden, we have to realize something. We have to realize that we have to settle this issue in our heart. Life is the will of God, and death is the enemy of God. Death is not God's will, God's plan, or God's desire for your life. And why is this important? Why is this so critical to the quality of your life? Why is this so critical to the impact of your Christian life? Let me tell you why. Because we all face death. Not just our death, but the death of those that we love. The death of a loved one, the death of a spouse, the death of a parent, the death of a child. And the realization is no one in this room is exempt from the reality that we have all been touched by the power of death as it impacts the lives, not just of us, that one day we're going to die, but the fact that we have to walk through, as David said in Psalms 23, through the shadow, the valley of the shadow of death, as death falls and impacts the lives of people that we love. Let me tell you why it's important that you believe that life is the will of God and you understand according to Scripture that death is the enemy of God. Did y'all see that pretty clearly? Did you recognize in those two Scriptures in John that we read that Jesus said three times, he said in John chapter 3 that God sent his son Jesus so we could have everlasting life. In John chapter 10, Jesus said, I've come that you could have abundant life. And then in 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul said, Jesus came that we could have resurrection life. How many know that God is the God of life? And death is the enemy of God, not the will of God, not the plan of God. God's not killing your children, your spouse, your family. And if you don't settle that in your heart, this is what has happened. When you face death, and we all do, you will be tempted to blame God. We hear it all the time, and I just don't understand why God took my wife. I don't understand why God took my children. I don't understand why God took my loved ones. I don't understand why God did this. See, if you don't settle in your heart that life is the will of God and death is the enemy of God, then every time you face death, you're going to be tempted to blame God. 
I was thinking about this morning as I was praying. I was reminded of the scripture where the Bible talks of Satan being the accuser of the brethren and how that he accuses us before the Lord, right? And then I just thought, I heard the Holy Spirit say this. He said, Keith, not only does the devil accuse you to me, he said, but he accuses me to you. Think about how many times the devil tries to paint the picture that God is the enemy, that God is the one that took your spouse, your friend, your loved one, your child, that God is the reason that you're walking through that grief and that heartache and that pain. And I've said it a hundred times, if not a thousand times at Liberty Church, and I'm going to keep saying it, and let me tell you why, because I see it over and over again. One of the greatest schemes of the enemy is simply this. If Satan can convince you into blaming God for your pain, then he will keep you from looking to God for your healing. If God is the source of my pain, then God cannot be the remedy for my solution. If God is the one who took my loved one, then I'm probably not going to look to God to heal the hurt that God, I think, caused. I'm not going to run to the one who's causing me pain. I'm going to run from him. And unfortunately, I've been pastor now, Kelly and I, for 30 years. And unfortunately, in 30 years, we've had the opportunity of walking with many, many families through death. And hands down, without a shadow of a doubt, nothing compares to the death of a child. I'm just going to be really honest with you on the front end of this thing. When it comes to the death of a child, I don't have any answers. I don't have any answers. But I do have truth. And the truth is God is life. And death is the enemy of God. That's truth. I heard a man years ago make this statement, and it stuck in my heart. He simply said this. He said, don't allow what you don't understand to move you away from what you know to be true. Don't allow what you don't understand to move you away from what you know to be true. You know what I know to be true? God is good, God is love, and God is life. That's true. And I know to be true that death, according to Scripture, is the enemy of God that one day will be destroyed. How many know one day there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, the Bible says? There'll be no sorrow. There'll be no tears. God will wipe away every tear from every eye. And the Bible says in that new heavenly place there will be no death because old things will pass away and the curse will be gone. And this is what I know happens when we face death. Two things basically happen. And I've seen amazing families walk through these challenges, and we've walked through the loss of our parents and the loss of friends and the loss of loved ones. But this is what I know happens. Two responses typically take place based on what I've settled in my heart when it comes to God being the God of life and death being the enemy of God. This is what happens. Either by faith I will draw near or out of my grief... I'll pull away. Either I'll draw near to God, who is my healer and my redeemer and my rescuer, or I'll pull away from God. And, and the truth is, let's just be honest, the truth is the grief and the sorrow and the tears and the pain for both groups of people are exactly the same. There's just as much grief, just as much sorrow, and just as many tears for those who draw near to God as those who pull away from God in times of death and sorrow and loss. But the difference is not the measure of our grief. The difference is whether you stay there. The Bible says they that come to God must believe that He is. Why? Because faith draws near. 
But there's this thing in fear and worry and unbelief, all these unanswered questions, all these things that we just don't know and we can't understand, and why didn't God do this and why didn't God do that? Again, I'm just going to say it again. I don't know why not every prayer is answered. I don't know why God heals one person and another person doesn't get healed. I don't know why some people get raised up and some people don't get raised up. I don't know why some people go through a tragic wreck and they walk away unhurt and some people barely have a fender bender and they die. I don't understand it. And to be honest with you, I mean, we can preacherize it, <laughs> make it sound really spiritual, but at the end of the day, I can't allow what I don't understand to move me away from what I know to be true. God is life. God is good. God is love. And death is the enemy of God. And I've got to settle my heart on that revelation because if I don't settle my heart on that revelation then every time I'm confronted with death instead of drawing near because here's what happens when you draw near let me just say this about grief grief is healthy and normal you need to grieve you need to work through your grief you need to deal with the pain you need to shed the tears you need to give yourself permission to be mad and upset and angry and stop and shake your fist and do all the things that we do when we are hurt and deeply wounded and broken to our core you just can't stay there grieving is healthy but living your life in a place of grief is very unhealthy and the only difference between those who draw near and those who pull away is that those who draw near they find healing they find restoration they find hope for tomorrow you don't ever stop missing them you don't ever stop loving them and you don't ever stop wishing they were still with you. But your life goes on. And God's purpose and plan for your life continues to unfold and develop. But when you pull away, you get stuck in your grief. You get stuck in your sorrow. You get stuck in a place. Guess what? Because when you pull away from God who is the author of life, the only thing left is death. Think about that. When you disconnect from the source of life, the only thing left is death. Years ago, I had an opportunity. I just started pastoring. I got invited to go visit a lady. She had lost her son. He was in his early 20s. He was in a tragic car accident, and he died. And I went to this lady's house, and I remember sitting in her living room with her, and, and I remember recognizing something pretty quickly. I, I recognized that, yes, she was grieving she was grieving over the loss of her son. He was her world. And she was grieving over the loss of her son, but she was dying from bitterness and resentment in her heart toward God. She was grieving over the loss of her son, but she was dying. Literally, physically, mentally, emotionally, mentally, I mean, every aspect of life was literally dying because of the bitterness and resentment she had in her heart, because she believed that God had took her son. And why would a loving God take my son in the prime of his life? I remember reading these scriptures that I read to you today with her. And we looked at the Word of God, and I said, ma'am, I said, death is the enemy of God. Not the will of God, not the plan of God, not the hand of God. It is the enemy of God. Of God and God sent his son to die so your son could be redeemed from everlasting death and the realization is only when we settle that are we able to draw near instead of pull away
And it matters, guys. It matters for our quality of life. Because I've seen a lot of people die a slow death. Not because of grief, but because of bitterness. Not because of the loss of a loved one, but because of a resentment in their heart toward the only one that could actually heal, redeem, and restore their lives. And that is God, the source of life, the source of love, and the source of all hope. If you want to know the will of God, you look at the Genesis of time. And in the Genesis of time, you realize God created man to be loved and to be known and to live forever. That was the heart of God. Sin came, and sin brought death, not God. Amen? I want you to look with me in Ezekiel chapter 18. Because in Ezekiel chapter 18, we're going to just take a little snapshot of a story from the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel was a prophet of God. Ezekiel uh, was prophesying to the nation of Israel. And the children of Israel were already in Babylonian captivity. They had sinned. They had rebelled against God. They were disobedient. They, they did everything the opposite of what God had told them to do. And God kept warning them and warning them. When you read the Old Testament prophets, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, you find out that all of these men were bringing warnings to the nation of Israel. They were saying, turn around, turn around, turn around. You're on this self-destructive path. You're on a pathway that's going to bring death and demise. How many know there are repercussions for sin? How many know our choices have consequences? And God sent the prophets, all the Old Testament prophets, you read them, you'll find out they were warning them, they were warning them, they were warning them, turn around, turn around, turn around, turn around. Don't go this way any longer. And we get a little snapshot of that out of Ezekiel. Listen to what the Bible says, Ezekiel 18. God says, therefore I will judge you, O house of Israel, everyone according to his ways, declares the Lord. So repent and turn from all your transgressions, lest iniquity be your ruin. Cast away from you all the transgressions that you have committed and make yourself a new heart and a new spirit. Look what he says. Why will you die? Why will you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of who? Anyone. I have no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the Lord. So turn and live. You know why God has no pleasure in the death of anyone? Because death is the enemy of God. When death claims the life of an unborn again believer, unborn again person, guess what happens? Death wins a soul. Somebody is lost forever, separated from God. Death is not the will of God, the plan of God, or the hand of God. It is the enemy of the Lord that comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. And here's what I want you to see. Look at that next point. Even when we deserve death, and let's just be really honest in this room here today, if we all got what we deserved, it wouldn't be life. I mean, y'all are good, but you're not that good, right? Holly Pond, Liberty Church is awesome, but we ain't that awesome. Come on, everybody. If we got what we deserve, we would get death. But guess what? Even when we deserve death, you know what? God desires life. God desires life. His heart is always redemption. It's never destruction. God is not in heaven trying to figure out how he can corrupt and destroy your life. God is in heaven sending his son to redeem us, offering a plan of redemption so that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting, abundant resurrection life through his son, Jesus Christ. And I think one of the greatest pictures of this is found in the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 23. 
Luke chapter 23, the Bible says, And when they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him, speaking of Jesus, and the criminals, one on his right hand and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. If anybody deserved death, I'd say it would have probably been the guys nailing Jesus to the cross. If anybody should have invoked the wrath and judgment of God out of the heart of Jesus Christ, it should have, could have been those men that were beating him, mocking him, cursing him, ridiculing him, and ultimately nailing him to the cross. And yet Jesus on the cross says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Why? Because life is the will of God and death is the enemy of God. And God is never seeking your destruction. God is always looking for your redemption and your salvation. He's always looking for a way to bring life, not death. And that's a beautiful thing about the heart of God. Because in our grief and in our loss and in our tragedy, because death brings loss and death brings tragedy, we need to know that there is a God of life who is for us and not against us. And we can't allow what we don't understand to keep us or move us from what we know to be true. And even when our minds and our emotions scream, our hearts need to be settled that there's a God of life, amen, that loves and cares about us, that we matter to Him. Look at that next point. Choosing life also means facing death. If we're going to choose life, we're going to have to face death. Why? Because death comes to everyone. And it always comes as an enemy. It always comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. It steals our time. It kills our dreams of our future. It destroys the opportunity that we have to spend time with that person one more day, one more moment, one more hour. Death always comes as an enemy. But if we're going to choose life, we've got to face death. We've got to face the reality that the Bible said, 1 Corinthians, we just read it, that everyone in Adam dies. I mean, everyone in Adam dies. Natural death comes. Everybody on planet earth that you've ever known has died or will die. And that's not gloom and doom. That's a realization that if I'm going to choose life, I've got to face the reality that in Adam we all naturally die. But in Christ, we can spiritually live. Can I get an amen? And we have to face it. I was thinking about that this week and just praying over this message. And, and I just had the thought, you know what? I'm, I'm prepared to die. I'm ready to die. But I'm not really in a hurry. I mean, if God were to roll through here today and say, hey, I'm taking a truckload to heaven. Anybody want to go? I'd put both my hands behind my back. I love my life. I have not always been able to say that. There have been seasons in my life where I'm like, come on, Jesus, take me home now. You ever been there? I'm in a great place now. Man, i got three awesome grandsons and one on the way. I want, I want to live. I want to raise these babies. I, I want to be a part of their life. i got awesome kids, awesome family. I love Liberty Church. I love the kingdom of God. I love what God is doing in the earth right now, and I want to be a part of it. I begin to think about that. I begin to think, even though I'm ready to die, I'm prepared to die, I'm ready to I love the Lord. I want to spend eternity with me, with Him. I'm not ready to jump on a bus right now. And I begin to think about that. I begin to think about how that people, not just saved people, but all people, lost people, everybody wants to live. 
People spend millions and billions of dollars just to live one more day, have one more breath, let their heart beat one more moment for one more opportunity to spend another moment with the people that they love. And I was thinking about that, and I realized something. I was just reminded of what the Lord said. I believe that desire for life is because the Bible says God's put eternity in the heart of man. You were created to live forever. You were created to live forever. And the fact that you want to live, I, I don't know about you guys, I love those survival stories. You ever see those survival stories on TV? And That person, they should have died, the plane wreck, the car wreck, they went over the cliff, something happened, and they endure overwhelming struggle and challenge and pain just to live. Their will to live pushes them one more day, one more moment, one more opportunity for just another breath of life. I believe that desire for life is the heart of God. And that he's put eternity in our hearts because he created us to live. Again, in the genesis of time, we were made to live forever in the very presence of God. In communion with God. To be known by God and loved by God. And to love him in return. But in order to choose life, we've got to face the realization of death. Yesterday at Fall Festival, we were in Arab. And again, what an amazing day. Thank you guys so much. What an awesome opportunity we had just to love our community and and I was talking to a gentleman yesterday and as I was talking to him I said well sir let me ask you a question I said have you ever been saved you've been born again is Jesus Lord of your life he said oh yeah oh yeah I said really I said when did you get saved he thought for a second he said not it was 1985 I said you remember he said yeah I remember it changed my life I said that's awesome that's awesome he had two teenage sons with him I said well what about your sons are they saved well I don't know I've talked to him a few times. They've, they've said they're, they're, they're right with the Lord, but he said, I really don't think they are. I said, well, are y'all in church? He said, well, no. And the thought just hit me. What a responsibility we have as parents, as grandparents, that in 1985 this man could experience the saving grace of Jesus Christ so that 30 years later he could still remember the day when Jesus changed his life, and yet now he's got two teenage boys that are one day going to die. And they don't know where they're going to spend eternity. See, in order to choose life, you've got to be willing to face the reality of death. Because we will all, in Adam, die a natural death. And in Christ, we can experience spiritual life. But we've got to face that realization. And we've got to settle in our hearts that God is life. Life is the will of God. Death is the enemy of God. Let me give you one final thought. Let me read 2 Corinthians to you, and then we'll get to that last thought. I don't want to skip this scripture. I love this scripture. And what's powerful about this scripture is, is, is this simple idea. Here's the realization. We can't avoid death, but we can conquer it. Because <laughs> Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave. Amen? We can't avoid the natural death, but we can conquer death through Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This scripture really came alive to me. 20 years ago, my mom, Teresa's mom, our mom went home to be with the Lord. She passed away. The last two years of her life, she suffered physically. The last six months of her life, she was uh, in assisted or in a home where she needed 24-hour assistance and care, and she lived in constant pain almost every day for those last six months of her life. And I had the opportunity of preaching my mom's funeral. 
And as I was praying and preparing to preach my mom's funeral, I read this scripture, and it came alive for me in, the, in a way I'd never seen it before. And I use it now almost every time I preach a funeral because I feel like it's so powerful. So we can't avoid death, but we can conquer it. Look what 2 Corinthians 5 says. For we know that if our earthly house, this tent is destroyed, speaking of our bodies, that we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation which is from heaven. If indeed having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent or this body grown, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has also given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always confident knowing that while we're at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith and not by sight. And we are confident, yes, well pleased rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to Him. I love verse 4. It says, though we who are in this tent, we're burdened because of the reality of our flesh and the, and, the, and the sickness and disease that comes. He says, and our desire is not to be unclothed, but further clothed. And then he makes this statement, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. I'll never forget when I read that, preparing for my mom's funeral, the Lord said this. He said, Keith, when your mom breathed her last breath, she wasn't taken by death. She was swallowed up by life. She was swallowed up by life. Why? Because God is a God of life. Life is the will of God, the heart of God, the plan of God, the mission of God, the desire of God for each and every person on the planet. He has no pleasure in the death of anyone because death is the enemy of God. And I remember as the Lord spoke that to me, she was swallowed up by life. I begin to think of what a beautiful picture that is. That if you're here today and you've got a loved one, if you've lost someone, whether it be a child or whether it be a loved one that knew the Lord, you can know today that they were swallowed up by life. And that they are now in the very presence of a holy God. And I'll never forget the Lord said, Keith, he said, your mom is now more alive now than she's ever been. And she's pretty lively. <laughs> but she's more alive now than she's ever been. Why? Because we can't avoid death, but we can conquer death through Jesus Christ. Look at this last point on your outline. So we choose life when we choose Jesus. If we're born once, we'll die twice. But if we're born twice, we will only die once. John Chapter 5, Jesus said this, or excuse me, John chapter 3, verse 5. Jesus said, I assure you that no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water, that's natural, and being born of the Spirit, that's supernatural. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life, so don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. If you're born once, you're going to die twice. If you're born twice, you'll only die once. Romans 6, 23 says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Revelations 20, verse 6 says this, Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. That's who have been born again, those who have been raised to life with Christ. For over such the second death has no power. 
but they will be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him for a thousand years. And Revelation 21, verse 8 says, But the cowardly, the unbelievable, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, the adulterers, and all liars will have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. If you're only born once, naturally, then you'll die twice. You'll die a natural death, and you'll die a spiritual death in what the Bible calls the lake of fire, which is the second death. If you're born twice, born naturally and born again spiritually, then the Bible says you only die once because the sting of death has been removed and you will lay down this earthly body, but you will be swallowed up in life where you will live forever in the presence of God. Amen? I want us just to bow our heads this morning. And I want to challenge you today with two things. The first thing I want to do is simply this. I want to just ask you, maybe you're here today. And maybe you realize that somewhere along the way, because of grief and loss and trauma, you took a step back. I'm just going to be real honest with you. I understand. There have been seasons and times in my life where I, I took a step back, kind of pause and regather our composure and reestablish our footing and reaffirm what we believe but if you've took a step back but yet never taken that step forward again then today I want to encourage you draw near to God draw near to God don't allow grief and loss which we don't understand to move us away from what we know to be true and that is that God is life and God is love. And death is the enemy of God. And God sent His Son to redeem us from the sting of death so that one day we will live in a world where there is no sorrow, no pain, and no death. And every tear will be wiped away. What a beautiful, beautiful, wonderful place that will be. But we can know the peace and the comfort of that day today. Because when you draw near to God, you draw near to a healer and a redeemer. You draw near to a God who loves and cares about you. So if that's you this morning, and you say, Pastor Keith, man, I've been through some grief. I've been through some loss. I've suffered some trauma. And maybe I've just pulled away. I'm still in church. I might even still read your Bible, might even still pray, but there's just a distance in my heart from the Lord. Today, I want to challenge you. Let's just take a step of faith. Let's just say, God, even though we don't understand, we still believe that you're good. And we still believe that you love us. And we still believe that you're the source of life. And death has never been your will or your plan. And so right now, why don't we just by faith just take a step forward. If that's you and you say, Pastor Keith, today I just want to draw near to God. I want you just to slip your hand up. Just an act of faith. Say, today, God, I'm drawing near. Hands are going up all over this building. Right now, I'm just drawing near. I'm just drawing near. Right there where you're at, I'm just drawing near. Lord, we draw near to you. Just lift your hand. Just an act of faith. God, I'm drawing near. I'm drawing near. Lord, I've stepped back, but I'm drawing near today. 
Father, I thank you for every hand right now. I thank you for every heart. And Lord, I, I just declare your word over them that if we draw near to God, you will draw near to us. Draw them in. Lord, draw every heart, every life into your love and your grace right now. May the life of God and the grace of God, the healing anointing of the Holy Spirit, Lord, let it be poured out. Let it be poured out right now over every person right now. God, as we draw near to you, Lord, may, may tears of healing, may tears of refreshing, Lord, may even tears of joy begin to, to fill our hearts and our lives as you minister. God, I thank you that you're a healer. I thank you that you're a redeemer. I thank you that you're the God of all comfort, Lord, that you comfort us in all of our trials and all of our tribulations. And, Lord, that you never leave us and you never forsake us, Lord. We're not abandoned. We're not orphaned. We're adopted. We're chosen. We're accepted. And we're loved. And so, Lord, today I thank you for drawing us near. I thank you for healing our hearts. I thank you for beginning a journey of restoration and healing today for every person who lifted their hand, for every heart who just took that little step forward today. God, like Peter, as he was drowning in the water, he just said, help. And Lord, you reached out your hand. and You pulled him out of the waves. And you walked him to the boat. And ultimately, you took him to the shore. God, we just say help today. Help our grieving hearts. Help our wounded hearts. Help us, Lord. And I just see the hand of the Lord stretching out right now, just grabbing us, pulling us up. Pulling us up out of the waves of despair and darkness. Pulling us up out of hopelessness and fear. And not only is he walking with you, not only is he going to take you to the boat, but he's going to take you safely to the shore. There's another, there's another horizon that's rising in your life. There's another season that God is going to bring you into. And he's decreeing and declaring today that he loves you and that his life is upon you. And that even when we don't understand what happens around us, we can trust the God who loves us. And Lord, we do that today. The last thing I want to do before we close, every head bowed, every eye closed, is maybe you're here today and you realize, Pastor Keith, I've been born once, but I've never been born again. And today I want to be born again. I want to ask Jesus Christ to be my Lord and my Savior. And I want to know that I can be born twice, so I only die once. And I want Jesus to be my Lord. So right now, if that's you and you say, Pastor Keith, I want to be born again, I want you just to raise your hand. I want to be born again. I want to accept Jesus Christ today as my Lord and Savior. If you're only born once, you'll die twice. But if you're born twice, you only have to die once. And we choose life by choosing Jesus. He's the only one that can forgive us. He's the only one that can free us. He's the only one. And right now, we're going to get ready to close in prayer. But if that's you, just slip your hand up. I want to be born again. Today's the day of salvation. The Bible says now is the appointed time. God loves you. He loves you so much. I want to just pray this prayer. And if you're here today and you want to pray this prayer to be born again, I want you to say it. I'm going to ask everybody to say it out loud with me. Let's just repeat it together, church. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins, 
rose again on the third day. I confess that I've sinned and come short of the glory of God. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. I want to be born again. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. Amen. Well, we love you guys, and what an honor for Kelly and I to be here with you guys. How many of y'all love Pastor Ian and Pastor Jessica? Let's give them a great big round of applause. And what an awesome Holly Pond team. All you guys, we love you so much. We're excited to be here. And uh, if you're visiting, please stop by uh, the guest center back there, and Pastor Ian and Jessica will be back there to greet you. We love you guys. Kelly and I will be up front. If you want to talk or anything, we'd love to talk to you, pray with you.